Let us pray. Once more, Almighty God, draw near and pour your Spirit upon our hearts and our minds that the words that we have heard read this day from your Word, from your Scripture that you have given us, would be at work in us and upon us, and that you would guide us on the paths that you have set before us, that you would lead us ever nearer to Jesus who is with us, that we would know him more deeply, that we would understand the callings that he has given to us, that we might love and serve those you give to us, and through them love and serve you, O God, by fulfilling the will that you have presented to us. And we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. In our passages today, we are hearing about two paths. We're hearing about two ways of life, two ways that we can move forward in life. One way is the way of woe or curse. The other way is a way of blessing, of being under God's kindness and his compassion. And these are two stark realities, and this is often how the Psalms and the Proverbs put the way of life. We heard it there in Psalm 1, setting the context for the entirety of the book of the, of the Psalms. For all of these prayers or hymns are all ultimately about there being two paths before the Father. One that leads into his blessing, one that follows his blessing, one that rests in his blessing, and one that will ultimately end in curse and his woes coming upon you. And it is a stark reality. It's one in our world that we like to avoid because it means that in one sense there are those who are ultimately be said that they are good and those that will ultimately be said are bad. But that is the reality that we live in. That is the reality that we live in when we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where we are all in that place of being the ones who are bad. From the moment that we are conceived, we are conceived with fallenness. We are conceived in fallenness because that is now the nature of man. Now, when Adam and Eve fell, all of man fell in Adam and Eve. And thus all of man is bent. All of man is cursed from the get-go. Man himself cannot follow God on his own. It requires something from outside coming to him and changing him to redirect his pathway. It's not something we can conjure up within ourselves because within ourselves is deceit. Within ourselves is that brokenness, is that bentness that misdirects our thoughts, that misdirects our reason, that misdirects our actions and our behavior and our affections ultimately. Our very love that flows out of our hearts is broken. And so we hear of these two ways. We hear so much about blessing in Scripture that I want to step back just for a moment and think about what the word blessing means as we dig into these passages, as we look at them. We've heard, blessed is the man. Blessed are you. We hear that, and especially in Psalm 1, in the Gospel of Luke, in Jeremiah. But honing in on Psalm 1 in particular in this moment, 
Who is this man who is blessed? Who is this man who resists sin, who does not walk in the way of scoffers, who does not walk in the way of sinners, who avoids being found with them and seated with them? On one hand, it is the perfect Hebrew man. It is the ideal Hebrew, the one who follows God's law. And here, law is not necessarily just merely the commandments of God, but it's the broader meaning of the word law. Law and promise, Torah, the teaching of God, which includes both his commandments of what you should not do and what you should do, but also his promise of salvation that he is going to save his people. His promise that he will come and be in your midst. His promise and reminder that he has saved and redeemed his people from Egypt when they were slaves. And so blessed is the man who does not follow the counsel of the wicked, the psalmist says here. We see this word translated as happy on occasion. In some translations of the Bible, it says happy is the man. And of course, to be happy and to be blessed overlap together. They do overlap. But in English, it's not really a great way to put it because the word happy tends to always focus on the environment around us, to focus on our circumstances. It is dependent on the situation that we are in. And that makes sense. In my reading... I've discovered years ago that the word happy comes from the English word hap. I was going to say Old English, but I'm not sure how far back, if it goes back to proper Old English, but earlier English, early modern English maybe, is the word hap, which is rarely used today and is connected to a word called happenstance. That is the situation you just happen to be in. Thus, happiness is determined by the situation and the events around us and not the reality that is above us and beyond us. Happiness is determined by the happenstance we find ourselves in. And so, while on one hand, yes, blessedness can lead to happiness, but my happiness is not determinant of my blessedness. The fact that I am happy in a moment does not necessarily mean that I am blessed in that moment, or the fact that I may not have happiness does not mean that I am not blessed. The blessing of God is an objective reality that comes down upon us and rests upon us and guides us and renews us. <clears throat> because it's objective and outside of us and coming upon us from God the Father, it can be found in the midst of sadness and grief. It can be found in situations that do not lend themselves to feeling blessed. My knowledge of blessedness is not in my circumstances but it is in the greater reality of who God himself is and what the word of God says is blessedness. And so ultimately, blessing is not about me being happy. Blessing is not about me doing something. Blessing is not about my feelings about a situation. Blessing is just simply that reality of God pouring his grace, pouring his kindness, pouring his compassion down upon us simply because it brings him joy and the way of being in that blessing is trust is faith is trusting in god in jesus in the work that he has accomplished on the cross for us you see blessing is not about my trust but is about the one in whom my trust is placed 
We all have faith in something. We all trust something in reality. We all trust someone. The question is, who is it that you trust? And so we don't just got to have faith. The object of our faith is what matters. Yes, we are called to have faith, but it is faith in a particular person. Not just faith in faith out there in the cosmos, but it is about faith in Jesus. And that's what we see here in the letter in the book of Jeremiah. Blessing and curse are realms, you might say, that we exist in. Spheres that we are either that we are in. We're in one or we're in the other because there are two ways. And it depends on the one in whom you're trusting. Not the fact that you have trust. I can trust in myself or I can trust in Yahweh, God the Father and His Messiah. I can trust in the triune God. And so these will significantly affect my behavior. They will affect my actions. They will affect the way that I think, depending on which one I trust, myself or the triune God and the work that He has accomplished for me. <coughs> Our hearts will be shaped by that trust. And out of the heart flows all kinds of things. Out of the heart, my affections guide my actions they guide my behavior. They guide my thoughts. And so, we must understand what we are looking toward. And Jeremiah breaks it down into three neat little pieces here in his passage. The first thing that we see is the curse. Cursed is the man, he says in verse 5, that the Lord says in verse 5, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and who makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So the cursing comes down upon the one who does not trust in God, but trusts in himself. He trusts in man's behavior. He trusts in man's strength alone. He makes his flesh his strength. And his heart looks to himself as opposed to the Lord, to Yahweh, to the God who created him, to the God who made him, to know him. This man who is cursed, who depends on himself, is like a shrub in the desert. He will not see any ultimate good come to himself. He ends up dwelling in a parched place in the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. We think of the salt flats out in Utah, where just nothing grows. It's a parched land, and nothing can grow there because the salt sucks the moisture out of everything, and it causes things to die. And we are not adapted to that kind of life. A shrub in the desert that has no source of water will just wither up and die eventually. Its leaves dry out and turn to dust. It can't produce good fruit. It can't produce any kind of fruit because it has no strength that comes from outside of it. That shrub is cut off from everything else and that is what the man is like who trusts in himself, who trusts in his own strength whose heart is not focused on the Lord, whose heart has turned away from the Lord. He will shrivel up. His fruit will die. His fruit will go away. His leaves will wither up. And he will be left as a dead plant in the desert, as a dead shrub that cannot grow, that cannot be changed, that cannot do anything. That is the curse that comes to those who trust in themselves. Just as the psalmist speaks of, 
the cursed, cursed one. That he is just a shrub in the desert. That he can't grow anymore. But on the other side of that is the blessing. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its, la its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Blessed is the man who trusts not in himself, but in Yahweh, in the triune God whose trust is the Lord. That right there signals to me that this man is not looking at his feelings or his trust in the Lord. He's not saying and looking in a mirror and saying, oh, what great faith I have in Jesus. What great faith I have in God. No, he just simply looks to the Lord and trusts in him and acts in light of that trust. His trust is the Lord. And so he's not taking the time to gut check his faith all the time. He just looks and follows and dwells in the blessing that the Lord is placing upon him because he trusts in the Lord, because his trust is the Lord. And because of that, it is like a tree that is planted by water that has a continuous stream of life coming into it. It doesn't have to depend on anything but that stream, and that stream produces life, and its roots grow out to that stream and draw life from that water so that when the heat comes down, it doesn't have to worry because it can reach out to that stream and that water and draw as much water as it needs to keep its leaves green, to keep it strong, to keep it growing as it needs to. And even if a drought should come and no rain fall from the heavens, it's not dependent on that rain. It's dependent on the stream that it is planted by. And that stream will provide all the water that it needs so that it can move forward and produce the fruit that it is made to produce. It can continually produce the fruit that it is called to produce. And that is what the man is like who trusts the Lord. He's not dependent upon the happenstance of rain coming down to make him feel good, to cool him down. He's just simply dependent upon the stream that he has planted near. And that stream is God himself. It is the word that God has given to us. For out of this word, we draw our life. This word opens our eyes. It opens our hearts. It renews our hearts and moves us ever closer to God so that we can know him. And in dwelling in this word and drawing life from this word, we grow. We are changed and we produce the fruit that God desires for us to produce. And he turns our trust more and more to himself that we might live in his blessing. That we would continually see and receive it for it is there to be received. Just as his forgiveness is always there before us to receive if we would but lay hold of it. If we would just simply look to God and say, you have sent Jesus to forgive me. So forgive me, I have committed sin, I have done wrong. Receive me as you have promised you would do in Jesus. That is what God does. And Jeremiah reminds us, after talking about the cursing that comes to those who trust in themselves and the blessing that comes to those who trust in the Lord, he tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. He tells us that God is going to perform a searching of our hearts to make sure that we're not depending on our hearts, to make sure that we're not just reflecting on our great trust, but to direct our eyes over and above toward himself, for he is the one bringing life to us. And if we turn inward and constantly just self-reflect on our hearts 
If we constantly self-reflect on ourselves, we will end up being deceived because our hearts are bent in and of themselves. Our hearts are directed in the wrong direction. When we fail, our hearts turn from looking to God to looking to ourselves. And so the heart has become deceitful above all things. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can actually understand their own hearts in the ways that it shifts and moves back and forth and goes down currents that we don't want it to go down? Pursues things that we don't want it to pursue. It does that because it is sick. It is deceitful. It wants to guide us away from the Lord. And so we can't just follow our hearts because they are deceitful. My heart is deceitful. My heart is continually leading me away from the Lord when I let it do its own thing. However, when I live in the blessing and trusting of God, dwelling in His Word, dwelling in the liturgy, dwelling in worship, dwelling in receiving the sacraments, my heart gets renewed. My heart gets redirected. My heart gets straightened out, so to speak. Little by little, more and more, it becomes straightened out. But if I turn to trust in my heart, then I will be deceived once more. And so I must always look outward away from my heart and let the Lord do his work upon my heart. For in that searching, the Lord will search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the deed, the fruit of his deeds. The Lord searches our hearts and he tests our minds in order that we would be directed more and more toward him. His searching and his testing is to open our eyes more and more to our need for him. When he searches our hearts and tests our minds, he is opening us up to see the brokenness within, to cause us to depend upon him, to cause us to turn to him more and more, to rest in the work of Jesus upon the cross, to rest in his resurrection and his renewal that comes to us through that resurrection. And as we rest in that and go out in the blessing of God, we will walk in his ways. We will do the deeds that he has called us to do. We will accomplish the work and the callings before us. And we'll receive and live in that blessing more and more. And that is ultimately what is being driven home today in these passages. That it's not about who, it's not about my trust in and of itself, but about who I trust. The same is seen in just simply what we heard from Luke in the Beatitudes. Blessed is the man. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. All of those things are aspects of people who have trusted in God. The poor is always juxtaposed against the rich in the Old Testament. Because it is the poor throughout the Old Testament who are ultimately drawn through their circumstances back to God. They have nothing in this world to depend upon. And so God can look and just generally say, blessed are you who are poor in that context. Because within the nation of Israel, the poor know who God is. And so the poor are more likely to trust, to have faith, to believe in Yahweh and not themselves as opposed to the rich who have everything they need who are comfortable who are full who can laugh and avoid grief who can avoid mourning who can avoid weeping 
They have the money and the wealth and the wonderful things to keep them from reflecting on the reality of the world around them and the brokenness that is within them. They can depend on their strength. They can depend on their flesh. And so the Lord searches with these blessings and these woes. He directs us back to himself to look not to our own strength, but to himself. And so he tells us of this cursing. He tells us of this blessing. And he tells us of this searching in order to drive our trust to him. To drive it away from looking at my heart, to looking to my strength, to looking within myself for the ability to do everything. But to look upon Yahweh. To look upon his Messiah, Jesus. And to know that through Jesus, the Holy Spirit is coming to us because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And that is the point Paul makes himself in 1 Corinthians 15, that if Jesus was not raised, then none of this matters. We are lost. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then there's nothing for us. And there is a resurrection from the dead for each and every one of us because Jesus has been raised. If there was no general resurrection, then God would not have bothered raising Jesus from the dead. But we know that Jesus has been raised, and thus there will be a resurrection for all of us. He has been raised into new life, the forerunner, the firstfruits to go before us and blaze that path that we can follow toward resurrection, toward new life, toward the fullness of all of God's blessings upon us, because all of those blessings are ultimately in Jesus, for that is whom Psalm 1 is about. Psalm 1 is about Jesus because he is the one who has fulfilled all of these things. He is the one who has never walked in the way of the sinner. He is the one who has truly been planted by the stream to draw up the strength of the God himself into himself because Jesus is God himself. And we are united to Jesus through baptism and faith and brought into that blessing of all that Jesus has. And that blessing includes resurrection, and following the path that he has made for us toward the Father. That Jesus is the way that we are to walk. And so our trust is to be placed upon him. Our faith is to be placed upon him. Him alone, because he is God himself come to earth as a man. That he might die for our sins and might be raised into new life. That through that death and resurrection, he would overcome sin. He would overcome death and remove it from us. And give us the blessings of new life, the blessings of himself dwelling with us, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit coming to be with us, to renew us and to guide us, to renew our hearts and our minds, so that we can live the life that God is calling us to do, to live a life of obedience, to live a life in blessing, to live a life in that path that God has blazed for us through Jesus. And so God's blessing comes to us not because you simply have trust. God's blessing comes to us because we have come to trust in Jesus. And that blessing is here to be received. We don't cause that blessing to spring into existence. It is already here to be received. We simply walk on the path that God sets us on in Jesus. And we walk in Jesus and trust in Jesus, not in ourselves anymore. And when we veer from that path, when we turn inward and turn to ourselves and trust in ourselves, we can return back to God's blessed path simply through confession, through admitting that I am still a sinner and that I am still wayward in my ways and can draw back and receive that forgiveness of Jesus once more. And it's not an if you wander back into sin. It's 
a pretty good certainty because we're still sinners in and of ourselves. When we take our eyes and our trust away from Jesus, we're always going to fall back into sin. And because our hearts are deceitful, even as believers, our old hearts still act and blind and carry us away. Ever so subtly, without us even realizing it sometimes, we can just simply confess, I've turned, O Lord, turn me back to yourself. Let your word have its way in me to drive me to yourself and give me your forgiveness once more, for it is there, and I want it, I need it. Forgive me, O God, for the sake of Jesus. Don't forgive me because I'm asking for forgiveness, but forgive me because Jesus is the one who has accomplished that forgiveness. It is him alone that I trust in. I don't trust in my trust. I don't trust in my words. I don't trust in my heart, but I trust in Jesus. Because he is the one that I look to for salvation. He is the one in whom all blessings are to be found. And so before us are two paths, one of blessing and one of curse. Two realms that we can be in. Those who trust in themselves are in the realm of curse at the end of the day. But you don't have to remain in that realm it is easy to move from that realm into the realm of blessing. You hear the word of God and are convicted by it, and your trust turns from yourself to Jesus. And when that trust turns to Jesus and the Lord becomes your trust, then you will be in that realm of blessing, and you will live in that realm of blessing because it is not about you. It is about the one in whom you trust, the object of your trust. And that is Jesus himself. And so may we follow and pursue and look to Jesus alone and know that in doing that, we will be in his realm of blessing forevermore. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.